Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> the Golden Stallion here for you for your uh, little Wednesday Q&A for the Sovereign Tech patrons. Thank you so much for being a patron. Uh, if you make it past this episode, <laughs> well, thank you anyway. Uh, some of you have been patrons for a very long time, um, and I assure you there are very exciting developments happening in the very near future. Uh, this week, so first off, I so here's the funny thing. I got inundated with a lot of questions in the past couple days, and I am recording this on Wednesday, August 16th, 2017. After the events of Charlottesville this past weekend, I was inundated with a lot of questions about it. And I'll admit that I was like, yeah, you know, let, let's see if we can like kind of keep from talking about that a little bit right now. And so I said, all right, well, I'll go in the Sovereign Tech Uncensored group and I'll ask questions. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I did it a couple weeks ago, I think, where I said, it's like, hey, I'm about to record the Q&A. Would, uh, you know, if you have any questions, go ahead and ask them here. And so I did that, and then pretty much everybody was asking, whether directly or indirectly, about Charlottesville. <laughs> so, which is fine. You know, you're the patrons. You call the shot. Whatever whatever you want me, you know, talking about, that's that's what I'll talk about. Okay, I'm willing to answer any question. Um, so because there was so much, uh, uh, you know, I mean, like I said, it was just so flooded with with all of this. I figured, hey, okay, fine, we'll talk about it, but I'll do so in response to your questions that um, that that get asked. Uh, and a lot of them are kind of repeat questions in a way. So, you know, I'll just pick like maybe the most concise versions of each uh, to get into. But, you know, I am I want to end it off with something fun and I will do that. I have a quite I had a fun question um, that I will get to at the end uh, and I will open it up with a little bit of a. um of a tech question before we get into into all of that. So let's get to the tech question. This is actually from my uh, from my Sarah Ha uh, uh, page, which is sovereign.sarahha.com, which has been very popular, positively and negatively. <laughs> um, but the question was, give more alternatives or not the question, but it was more of a statement, I guess. Give more alternatives to IoT devices. People want their Star Trek computer. OK, so so here here's the thing. All right. To, you know, to, to answer that. Um, and you could say that this is the market speaking fine. Well, the market can speak in an opposite direction as well, really, if uh, you know, if, if it absolutely needs to um, with when it comes to IOT devices. So what a lot of IOT devices do. It, OK, so like in the abstract, what they do, if it's opening your garage door, if it's um I don't know. There's a there's a million different things. I don't know if it's your cat feeder or it opens up your shades or it starts automatically brewing coffee for you in the morning. Whatever. OK. Um, you know, those things in the abstract are not terrible things like automating things is not a terrible thing. The terrible thing about IOT to understand is that I is <laughs> that is the letter I in it, the internet part. The fact that it connects to the broader internet, okay, that's that's where the issues come in. Because it is an internet connected devices, because it connects to what I've always called the big not always, but what I call the the big bad internet. That's where we start to run into issues and why they become a security problem. What they do in the abstract, eh, you know, I mean whatever. If that's what people want, then that's that's what they want. 
Um, so as far as what to do about alternatives to that, well, here's the thing is that it doesn't behoove. Uh, well, let me, let me phrase this a different way. It behooves a startup to take advantage of the inexpensive cost of, say, using AWS or of, you know, some Internet service of some kind to, you know, come out with what appears to be a very ooh and ah impressive garage door opener or something like that. Okay, so there's not a lot of startup costs when you use the Internet as your backbone for for whatever device you're making or whatever the fuck you happen to be making. So I understand that, that that's that's part of the attraction for doing that. Now, that doesn't necessarily make sense for Samsung other than the, you know, a company like Samsung, who is, you know, they bought smart things. Right. Um, you know, who is connect, you know, putting IOT uh, uh, hardware into everything that they make. But I mean, you know, do they really, uh, you know, don't they have the money? They don't have the problems that startups needs where you where, you know, they're very limited on cash and all this. I mean, in a way they're not. But then, of course, in a way they are right, because they run on very, very thin margins. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of profit to go around, but for or a lot of hmm, how to say this. Not profit as a company, but there's a lot of money being paid out to employees and, you know, uh, various, you know, white collar or blue collar, depending on how you want to break that up, um, that's going out there. But to allow for even that, I mean, again, you know, there, there, there's very thin margins being run here. This is not a company. I mean, they're boosting very nice profits, but, you know, yeah, I understand they can always be on thin ice and they need to figure out ways to do things cheaper and cheaper. And Samsung in particular is kind of a unique case because I actually appreciate a lot of that. Those thin margins goes towards a heavy R&D like heavy fucking R&D and not just heavy R&D. Every company or many companies do R&D and they have usually substantial budgets for that. But they will actually release, uh, you know, things that other companies would just keep as prototypes. You know, they'll take the risk. And I got to give them credit for that, for doing that. I've, I've said that many times over the years. Not that I'm a big fan of the company, but you, you get my point. So, yeah, it's it's I, I admit it's cost prohibitive in comparison to what IOT offers. It is cost prohibitive to do automation in other ways. And like you said, people want their Star Trek computer. So so, you know, how the hell do you get it? Well, I, I mean, this is, again, it's just, it's going to cost a little bit more, but people are continually willing to hand over their privacy to have that lower cost. Okay. Whether I agree with it or not, that's what they're doing. And so IOT becomes a, a very beneficial thing. Uh, I think if people had an understanding of the fact that most of these IOT companies cannot afford, you know, the same fact that they can't just do this stuff locally instead of connecting it to the big bad internet. And just about everything IoT does, you could, you really could make happen locally. I mean, some of it is are very basic tricks that that just don't make sense. Okay. Um but if people understood that that same lack of budget that that makes them do it in in an IoT fashion is also the same lack of budget that keeps them from being able to secure the IoT device that you buy that keeps them from being able to update the IOT device that you buy, uh, that makes your IOT device worthless inside of a couple of years. 
then maybe maybe people would be like, okay, no, this is this is a really bad idea. I mean, the the piper eventually is going to have to get paid. I mean, this is still kind of a new market category, and I I get the feeling that maybe in the next year or two that people are going to say, okay, no, 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 this this is bullshit. This isn't worth it because either the either the products are going to have to get so close to, I mean, pretty much near zero marginal cost, um, or you know, they're they're just people are going to stop buying them. You know, just like a lot of people, I don't know, like people go back to getting away from electric razors, right? And they want to go back to the classic style razor for for varying reasons, some of which they may not even consciously understand, right? I mean, that's that's just an example. But I, I think there will, my guess is at some point there's going to be a degree of a market pushback at this unless the prices of this just keep going down, which is certainly possible. But eventually people are going to say, oh, wait a minute, this won't update and now this doesn't work. What the fuck? Um so, I mean, but the third, of course, there's never just two options. The third, or there's never just two possibilities or two options. The third possibility of what will happen is, is that this will just get people buying more into the conglomerate style companies like Samsung or Google or Apple or whatever. And, and you know, eventually all you're going to have are these giant companies and all of these startups um, will just get acquired or will just fall by the wayside because they, they really just can't keep up and, the, and they're just making a quick buck. But I wish people were educated in the fact that, you know, again, the very nature of IoT and the very nature of the way that the IoT market works, not just the devices themselves, uh, you know, is directly working against them in ways that, well, obviously they're not fathoming. Um, to have the Star Trek computer, I mean, you know, that that really is possible to get to get to that point. I mean, you know, hard drive space is getting so inex- or, you know, hard drives uh, storage. All of that is getting so inexpensive today. Um, that, I mean, there, there's really not a good reason that your smartphone doesn't have like, like 10 terabytes of storage in it. No, really. I mean, they're, they're just, and certainly in the next five years, even more so, there's no reason that your smartphone shouldn't be like, you know, shouldn't be able to store. Yeah. I mean, just, just tons and tons of information on it to where you could have it in your pocket. It should not need to connect to you know, the internet to even like read Wikipedia, Wikipedia should fit on it in a heartbeat. I mean, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. There needs to be updates and all that. Sure. But those, those can come in kilobyte packages over time. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I get your point that you have to give alternatives to IOT devices. The problem is, is that it's a little more, it's just enough more expensive to make alternative devices that do the automation that IOT delivers, but doesn't connect to the internet, um, that they, they kind of don't exist, you know? Um, I mean, and this could get into a much more abstract, uh, topic, you know, because I think a lot of this IOT, a lot of this interconnectedness and this constant collection of data is in many ways about creating the Star Trek computer. It's in many ways, it's about something. It's about some kind of grander design. I'm not talking about some kind of NWO bullshit, okay? I'm, well, I mean, maybe it's it's something like that. But it's not just one NWO, you know? It's not just one order. It's it's a bunch of different ones. Um, these companies clearly, and, and they're not telling you what it is. In my opinion, these companies clearly have some kind of designs. They have some kind of plans for what they are doing with all that data. And it's not just to sell to advertisers, Okay, there's 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 something more in mind. And I don't you know, there's that there was that book that came out, uh, Whiskey Fox, uh, 
Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, was that it? Or Whiskey Foxtrot? I mean, it should be WTF, but whatever. Anyway, that, that book that came out a couple of years ago where it was, you know, the, the, the premise of the book, it's a fictional novel, science fiction novel, was that, a, you know, these Google-style companies or the, these, these tech giants, they'd had, they had different names in the book. But their goal in collecting all of this data was to find the best and the brightest of humanity and then, of course, the nefarious part is, is wipe everybody else out, that it was actually eugenics planned in creating all of this, uh, you know, collecting all of this data was uh, was to create this kind of central forward motion for humanity. Now, I don't think I don't I really actually don't think something like that is what's going on. But, you know, something that nefarious to where people are going to get offed necessarily. But Google, you know, I mean, there, there have been interviews with like in the Financial Times with Larry Page. We read one uh, it was probably two, three years ago on Sovereign Tech where he was coming out very, you know, very much and saying there's no reason that houses costs should cost as much as they do. He was talking about making Google cities, literal Google cities uh, that are all going to be, you know, would obviously be very centrally planned. Um, they would be, you know, you know, they I mean, it would be for another story. It would be like Harlan Ellison's Repent Harlequin said the TikTok man, one of the most popular short stories and most translated in history where everything is running on the clock on time. Every everything's algorithmic. I mean, even though Harlan didn't mention algorithms, you, you get the same sense. Uh, and I mean, obviously, there, there's problems with that, which, you know, in my opinion, ethical problems, along with, uh, you know, problems that that affect this abstract notion of the human condition that I mentioned so often. Uh, but yeah, I mean, th there's obviously some kind of plan for collecting all this. There's, there's more than, because at the same time, the cheaper thing to do, right. For, for like the tech giant companies, particularly is to not even implement a lot of this IOT stuff because they, they do have to pay out so much for secure cybersecurity when it comes to these devices. Um, you know, and, and they have to pay for, you know, development of updates and all these different things. Like it's not really cost effective at face value to do this just to either a or maybe it's a combination of two, both of these things, but either a sell it off to advertisers or, um, you know, or, or B just to make something cool that honestly doesn't even work half the time properly. Uh, there, there's gotta be some long-term play involved and we don't know what that long-term play is. And, you know, I I've said this many times on sovereign tech and I'll reiterate it here, uh, especially since I know there's some new patrons on board there, there really is th these companies. Okay. These companies, they've got to know that fucking with privacy, that not encrypting data, all of this stuff is bad. They have to know that. Like there, there is, you know, we talked about this uh, a, a few episodes ago on Sovereign Tech Prime. The argument over whether everything should be encrypted is fucking over. Yes, it has to be encrypted. It just has to. You know, and now in Silicon Valley, you have the, um, you know, you have the concept, especially for startups, of what? Data minimization, right? We've talked about that quite a bit. Data minimization is the idea that you don't want to be, especially as a young company, you don't want to be on the hook for potential customer data being leaked because you could get sued and everything that you're building with your company could just be thrown out the window. You don't want to do that. 
You don't want to collect all of this data. So there's got to be some kind of like like there has to be some kind of plan. And they just won't tell us what it is. Google won't tell us what their end game is. And it's not just the Star Trek computer. There's something more. I mean, maybe Larry Page was telling us is that this leads to Google cities, you know, the epitome of uh, uh, of human understanding or the or the epitome of, of, of um, I don't know, human society or something like that, based upon what they think, of course. Right. And last time I checked, I don't think Sergey Brin and Larry Page are a bunch of egoists. But whatever. Um, same with same with Apple. Same with Microsoft. Even though Microsoft, I, 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 I well, I'm not going to get into that. But bottom line, these tech giants have a plan. Just like I've theorized, I mentioned this a few episodes ago, with Amazon, where I think Bezos, talk about not the Star Trek computer, but the Star Trek's lifestyle uh, on Earth. Maybe not necessarily in space, even though he's doing a hell of a job of that as well. Um, I think he's really trying to get to what, I guess a, a near or a pseudo post scarcity society is what I should call it. Emphasis on the word pseudo, because obviously, oh, I get so fucking mad when, when people say this, look, nobody that, that talks about a post scarcity society is saying that it's literally completely 100% post scarcity. Of course, that's impossible. We live in uh, you know, a, a universe of finite energy and matter. Okay. Nobody's saying that it's a hundred percent post that, that it's a hundred percent post scarcity, but it is a pseudo post scarcity is something that with, you know, given the, the timeline uh, or the, the lifetimes capable of the human of a human, of the average human being or something where, where it could almost be that in a way uh, I'm not advocate. I'm not saying I'm advocating for that. I'm just, just saying, but I, I think that that's something that Bezos is kind of shoot, maybe shooting for. Um, but again, you know, he, to do so, he's very much infringing on all kinds of privacy. He's he's laying out all kinds of terrible, terrible uh, practices as as far as security, as far as um, all kinds of things. And so the thing is, is that, look, if these companies, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to take this, the, the ethical stance no matter what. Like, I'm going to, you know, be on the side of liberty, as they say, uh, you know, no, no matter what. OK, I don't think the ends justify the means, but it would be pretty fucking helpful if these companies would just tell us what the fuck is the plan? Like, where is this all supposed to end up? Because otherwise, all I can do as a tech journalist is say, you know, as, as, as someone who cares very much about ethics and is a tech journalist and, and, you know, and is an anarchist, all I can do is say, what the fuck are you doing? You're trampling all over every human liberty, you know, that there is. And complain about it as to where if they just told people, you know, I'm kind of reminded uh, getting into, you know, kind of the realm of, uh, of conspiracy. Uh, there's the book, of course, by Carol Quigley, uh, Tragedy and Hope. You know, there's people that do that have entire podcasts and networks based around this thing. Anyway, um, with in the book Tragedy and Hope at the end, I mean, Carol Quigley is effectively saying that he was talking to for an abstract term, he was talking to the NWO. He was talking to the New World Order. And I don't mean like, Hulk, you know, Hollywood Hulk Hogan or anything. That's my kind of NWO, baby. Ooh, for life. Okay. Uh, but, you know, he was talking to the globalists, what, you know, whatever the fuck you want to call it. And he said he wished, at the end of the book, he says, I wish that they would just tell everybody what they're doing and what the plan is. That way they could see, oh, okay, well, we're going to end up in paradise. I mean, that's effectively what he was saying at the end of that book. And I think that the a lot of these tech giants are on are on the same, um, I don't know, 30 year plan or however long the fucking plan is. 
Is it, I mean, and, and maybe not something nefarious as a new world order or some kind of shit like that. Okay. But they have something in mind and they are, whether it's to create the first AGI, whether it's to, you know, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. You know, it, it's guesswork on anybody's part, but that's gotta be what's going on. It's just that they, they, they have some really, really wide ranging broad scope plan, uh, that they just fucking won't tell anybody what the hell it is. And there it is. So anyway, um, let's, yeah. So IOT devices. Yeah. Look for what IOT does. I mean, they're, they're, it's not out there and most people are not willing to spend the money to create the automate. I mean, eventually this has got to be a market where people are going to say, Hey, this garage door opener, which the, you know, or maybe that's not the best example because they existed long before IOT and they still connect in way, or you can still buy models that don't connect over the internet. Um, but, uh, I don't know, whatever this coffee machine doesn't connect to the internet. And like, there's, there's going to be, there's going to be, you know, you're going to be able to buy that sort of thing. Uh, in fact, I mean, that's something that, that people have been theorizing for a few years now is that privacy isn't really going to go away. It's just going to be something only the rich can afford. And, uh, I'm not saying that that's untrue. I mean, that, that might be a direction things are going, uh, as well. So, Anyway, let's get into uh, let's get into some of the questions here. Some of these are from the from the Facebook, uh, the Sovereign Tech Facebook Uncensored group, um, and some are not. But uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about. All right, we're getting into a little bit of the the politic here. We're going to talk about Charlottesville. I mean, really, these are these are more uh, you know more questions of philosophy than anything, not necessarily uh, political. So, woo, okay. So a great guy that I just love asked, <laughs> when is it okay to punch a Nazi? <laughs> and you think maybe I shouldn't be laughing at that. Um, I, th- you know, well, he put it like a, you know, laughy face at the end of it. Um, boy. So the serious answer to this, I mean, because this is obviously being asked a lot, you know, after Charlottesville and all that, um, this question, whew, this question is probably going to lead into some of the other questions. So I'm going to say this first off. I cannot believe um, that that this question actually could be asked seriously. Now, I, I don't I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the question asker. I'm saying that that this question has relevance to reality. That's what I mean by I can't believe it can be asked seriously. 20 years ago. <laughs> you know, like like this wouldn't have even really necessarily, be, you know, been a thing. I mean, well, you could say, what about American History X? Right. That movie with Edward Norton and all that, you know, like neo-Nazis have always kind of been around. Um, With not a whole lot of. With not a whole lot of evidence to back me up on this, and I am making that very plain to you right now that I don't have a whole ton of evidence Uh, but I have a hypothesis that I am looking to try and prove. Actually, I'm looking to try and disprove because I don't want to be right about this. Um, I am, and, and maybe this will color everything else that I'm going to say, you know, in your mind or in mine, I don't know, but I am becoming more and more inclined to believe based upon about based upon how quickly and seemingly how fairly well funded. I mean, those were a lot of tiki torches to buy <laughs> that, that the Nazis may have never really been defeated. 
that like so many other so many other uh, uh, movements and and tyrannies and whatever else they they went underground. Okay. Um. Now again, like I said, I am not claiming to have a ton of evidence about this. I think there's some. Um, it is definitely something I've been thinking for for a while now. Uh, particularly, yeah, I mean, you know, there's a reason that in the you know in the new Sovereign Tech intros, the villains are Nazis, and like I claim that there's Nazis on the moon and everything. I mean, this was a popular, uh, a fictional trope for for decades. You know, especially probably with their height with its height in the seventies. In the seventies. And even now they're making movies, what is Iron Skies or something, where you have space Nazis. Like what happened is, is the Nazis went into space and and that's where they they stayed. Um, Now, there's varying evidence that they went to, you know, Antarctica. That's one of the wilder theories um, that I've talked about on Sovereign Tech Prime in the not so distant uh, past. Then there, you know, there's there's plenty of evidence. I think it, I dare say fact based upon even, you know, recent caches of Nazi memorabilia uh, or Nazi material that has been found um, that they a lot of them went to South America. Got, you know, that they, they got away to South America. I mean, a, a popular theory for a very long time. Conspiracy theory was that, uh, you know, Hitler didn't actually die. He either went into a UFO or that he went to, um, you know, he, he ran away that he, he really didn't actually, you know, kill himself effectively. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm starting to wonder. <laughs> and I know it sounds like, what was, what was it? Tomorrow never dies, right? The, the James Bond movie from the nineties with, uh, uh, Pierce Brosnan and was Michelle Yeoh in that, I think where, uh, that that's exactly what it was about was that there was still like this Nazi group and they had taken over the media and everything. And, and, you know, James Bond was, was going to put a stop to it. Uh, I enjoy that movie. Pretty sure that was Tomorrow Never Dies. It's the one where the guy's on like that stealth submarine or whatever, that stealth ship. Um, so, you know, I'm I'm leaning in that direction that that that's that may be a reality of what happened, because look, look, I, I just I can't I can't fucking believe that it's 2017. It's the United fucking States. I mean, it just proves how anti-freedom the United States has been and always will be. That there are that 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 Nazism could even be fostered, let alone the fact that there are Nazis in the United States. I mean, and and if you don't believe that there's actual Nazis, uh, just listen to Chris Cantwell and listen to him talk about Donald Trump's daughter and how, you know, he he very clearly said that, um, you know, he wants he needs a, a racist. He wants a racist leader that won't give away his daughter to, you know, some Jew like, like Jared Kushner. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. Does that, does that not qualify as a Nazi? Do you think that that's something else? Should, should I not use, should I not use the term Nazi for that? Do you think that the term Nazi holds no bearing? I'll tell you something. If anybody thinks that I shouldn't use the term Nazi, then I have a term that you need to shut the fuck up about. And that's cultural Marxism, because that is fucking meaningless. If you think the term Nazi is meaningless, so is cultural Marxism. Because I, I admit they can both be very abstract terms depending on how they're used, but especially cultural Marxism is r- ridiculous. And I've talked about this on other formats, not just on Sovereign Tech. 
no one can actually give you a real definition. Yeah, I, I, I know. I know you go after some old philosophical schools and you say, well, it's what they said, blah, blah, blah. But you can't really give a definition. And also you have nothing to back up what the fuck you're saying. Like as, as far as what, you know, like because cultural Marxism is against the family and all this stuff. Well, I challenge everybody. Give me the I, I, I keep laying out this challenge. I have no problem with families. Whatever. Family is family. Do your thing. You know, people have freedom to, to associate, blah, blah, blah. Rock and roll. You want a family, have a family. OK. Um, but show me the evidence that the family is a bulwark against the state. That evidence does not exist. If anything, if anything, the notion of loyal elite families seems to actually prop up the state. Because when you think like elite families, what do you think? When you think like powerful families, when you think of really family structures, what do you think of? The royal families around the world? Bush, the Bush family? I mean, go, go down the list. I guarantee you, you instantly think of authoritarians. You do not think of a single fucking, I mean, and, and well, don't even get me started on the Pauls. It's what you do. So anyway, look, I'm not knocking families. Okay, don't don't misunderstand me. I'm just saying everything that that people complain about what cultural Marxism Marxism teaches. Uh, you you've got it. Well, all right, I'm not going to get lost in the weeds on that. <laughs> I'm just saying that term is is absolutely meaningless and just gets tossed around to anybody that honestly even just chooses to live a single life. You'll get called a cultural Marxist. That's preposterous. That's fucking preposterous. I thought people could choose how they want to live. I guess not. You're a cultural Marxist if you choose anything other than what conservatives say. Um, okay, so <laughs> got lost in the weeds on all this. Uh, yeah, so there's Nazis out there. So when do we punch them? Well, let's let's get on to some other questions, you know, about this sort of thing. Uh, and then then we'll then we'll get into it. And, you know, that I think that question will kind of get answered as we go along. Uh, so let's see. We have thoughts on statues, monuments and remembering the past. Um, how about all right. How about I skip ahead to this one? Here's the question. What will it take for And this? This was asked quite a bit. What will it take for humanity to overcome tribalism? Can it? Should it? OK, so this kind of gets into the family thing, I think, that I that I just uh, that I just mentioned. And there's um, someone else asked in another way, even though many of us celebrate individualism, what is the obsession to belong to a collective uh, or to be labeled? That's kind of the same thing that that was that was also previously asked. Uh, all right. So so what will it take for humanity to overcome tribalism? Can it? Should it? Uh, first. OK, so to answer the last two questions, can it? Yes. Should it? Yes. Um, the reason I say it can is because it has been thought up. Um, a union of egoists, you know, that Max Stirner talks about, is is exactly that. Okay, is uh, I mean, we I suppose we should define terms. What does what exactly does tribalism uh, mean? And I will define tribalism, and somebody is going to probably complain about this, but whatever. I would define or here. Tell you what, I'll I'll go to the dictionary. Is does does that make you feel better, or is the dictionary a liberal propaganda piece? I don't know. Let's see. So okay, so we have the the state or fact of being organized in a tribe or tribes. That's tribalism. And of course, a tribe can be, 
you know, a, a collection of like any varying factors that that unite you with somebody else. Um, and so in the derogatory, there's actually a listing for that. It is the behavior and attitudes that stem from strong loyalty to one's own tribe or social group. And that's generally used in a, uh, you know, that, or that they're listing it as a derogatory use of the term tribalism, meaning that that it's these attitudes that you have based upon, you know, not based upon any kind of objective fact, but based upon your loyalty to your social group or tribe or your culture or whatever. Okay, Um, so a union of egoists is the notion that you have a common goal. You do not you don't have to have a single fucking thing else in common other than a goal. Okay, and goal orientedness is I mean, every every goal orientation is as long as a person, in my opinion, you know, has uh, has a healthy mindset, shall we say, is a very individualistic thing. It, it, you know, it, it's everybody's, you know, every individual's goals are are their own. You know, it's not something that should be collective, nor does it need to be. And can you get past that? Well, fuck, of course you can. My goals are completely my own. My goals are not necessarily in line with anybody else. Um, that's great if people want to, you know, connect and, and get on board. But uh, but they are absolutely my goals and they are not shared by society at large. I I just I know that <laughs> I know it for a fact. OK, so a union of egoists is people coming together uh, to achieve a similar goal. Okay. Whatever that happens to be, there is absolutely nothing wrong with the concept of union, union of egoists. And the reason that there's nothing wrong with coming together and, and being, even if you wanted to use the term communal with a union of egoists is because in a union of egoists, you can, you are supposed to be able to completely walk away from it without, uh, any recourse. Because once a person doesn't want to be any in it anymore, the union of egoists is supposed to be broken. Otherwise, it becomes, you know, in many ways, effectively a government. Right. So union of egoists is this really, really brilliant idea. Even even other philosophers who disagree with Stirner in a million ways will say that the union of egoists is brilliant. Um, in fact, I've argued that a lot of businesses, including Elon Musk's business practices, are based upon a union of egoism, which is part of the reason probably why Elon is seeing any kind of success outside of, you know, VCs coming in and well, I've talked about that. Um, so yes, you can get past tribalism. You can act solely for the individual, but you can still come together without it becoming tribalism. So yeah, you, I mean, or you even think of like a uh, uh, sociocracy. I mean, there are entire systems that are successful that have been developed that act outside of some kind of tribalism. Okay, so, yes, you can get you can get past it. Um, Should you get past it? I would argue yes, because, you know, kind of like Sterner described. I'm not talking about I'm not saying Sterner's name like he's Jesus or something. Okay, he just had a brilliant assessment of history and of what the future can be, in my opinion. Um, So, you know, in Sterner's mind is that you, you have these three stages of humanity, right? You have kind of, you know, the stage where humanity was was totally just concerned about survival and for survival it needed the you know humanity might have needed the tribe okay everything i mean not doesn't doesn't really need it but it was helpful okay then what happens is you get the second stage of humanity which he calls kind of the the spiritual epoch and what that is not necessarily spiritual even though it expressed itself in religion in spiritual formats 
you have this this time frame of humanity, which is pretty much from the Greeks to, well, whenever the egoist epoch comes into being, which I could argue is sort of here and sort of not. But the spiritual epoch is when humanity started to look inward. And that's when the concept of individuality and a lot of these other things, you know, became popular. Not to say that they weren't there before, but that they, they, they had purchase and weight and the ability to be expressed. All right. And it's not just because of the Greeks. This was happening in India. This is happening all, you know, all around the world in various parts of the world. There's nothing special. There really look, fuck, there's nothing special about the Greeks. Um, so you, yeah, you know, should you get past it? I would argue yes, because the actual advancements in being able to pursue, you know, in, in life, in the human condition, being able to actually go after what I think the goal of humanity is all about, which is its happiness became an inward, became an individual, uh, uh struggle became an individual pursuit whether that's via some kind of, uh, you know, whatever aspect of evolution, you know, brought that into being socially, whatever, uh, you know, that that's that's what that's what went down. And you see what happens when people pay attention to, you know, their individual selves and their individual goals and all that. And that's how you really get so much forward momentum. And that's how you get that's how the market process can work, because, you know, kind of like like Adam Smith was saying, you know, how one person is completely pursuing their own goals. But it just so happens the magic of the market, that invisible hand or something like this actually ends up helping everybody else out. Right. So we know that the best way to get anywhere, to get from A to A to M or something, is for everybody to be self-centered. Seriously. You know, or self-interested, if you don't like the term self-centered. But to, you know, to have rational, what is it, enlightened self-interest? That's the term, right? So tribalism keeps you stuck in a very real, uh, you know, it, it can keep you stuck when you have kind of these, like, not not just not common goals, but when you feel you have these common traits that you must pay some kind of fealty to, you end up getting you 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 just you stop growing, you know you stop becoming adaptable, you stop being able to express the entirety of the human condition when you start paying fealty to these various traits, whatever way that they exist within objectivity, be it because a person has lighter skin or something like that, it all holds you back. So I would argue that absolutely, yes, tribalism is something to get past. Can you get past it? Yes, because there are people today who have. There are absolutely people today who have. There are people who have completely eschewed almost all forms, okay, of, of identity or, or of, uh, how to put this. So, okay, let me, let me back up. What makes up a human? Okay, now if we're going to quote, a, you know, if we're going to talk a little more sterner perhaps on this. Um, again, I'm an egoist, folks, that I know that doesn't shock anybody. Been one for years. Um, you know, he talks about the unique one. OK, uh, and the unique is is something that we, you know, he, he calls it the or in, in, depending upon the translation, he'll call it like the ineffable one. OK, meaning you can't really describe what the fuck it is like. What exactly is consciousness? Look, even scientists don't have a great answer for this. OK. Uh, so what makes a human human? What gives them those properties? Now, obviously, there is some way to quantify it. We just haven't necessarily figured it out yet. Um, but there, you know, you are this unique being and this unique, this unique one, this ineffable one has no gender, 
has, I mean, has nothing. It, it's just it, you know, and that's why the, the term ineffable is not even unique. I think unique one isn't even as good a term as the ineffable one because the ineffable one, you know, makes it very clear. This is something that you can't really describe because all these like identities and all this different stuff is all external. They're all externalities on who you are. You can't even really like put a term on it. I mean, that's that's I guess where unique comes in because you are unique. It's just you, you know, and everybody knows this like, you know, no one else is you. You're an individual or you're supposed to be. All right. So there are people who no longer wish to identify with race that no longer wish to identify with gender, that no longer wish to identify with nationality, geography and all of these other things. They can get to that point. Now, the rest of society doesn't really know what to do with them, but that's that's a problem with society, not with the person. And when you can get to the I mean, because people can get to that stage, then, yeah, again, it is possible to get past tribalism because there have been people, you know, that that have really that have done that. Now, should we get past that? Um, I think I kind of answered that. As to where when you start to fall into tribalism, when you start to pay fealty, when you start to have a sense of loyalty, when you start to no longer question things uh, and take actions based upon traits and not goals, you become stagnant. I mean, you, you absolutely become stagnant. Now, I think some people would say, yeah, but what about the Roman Empire? You know, that was built on people identifying as Romans and being proud of Rome. No, fuck you. It was built on slaves. Much of America was also built on slaves. Today, as perhaps a degree of fortunate, the advancements that are happening in the world are not because people are Americans. It's because there's computers that they act as. And this is a very unfortunate term for me to use, but they are what exists in place of the slaves to do all of these things. Hopefully we never give these things, you know, enough uh, uh, anything remotely like consciousness and I've, I, this is not new for me to say I've talked about this many times as soon as computers as soon as programs start doing things that they were never designed to do we need to start asking the question does that deserve some kind of liberties do we treat it differently because if you because if you just keep on using it does it become a slave for example think of uh, you know for, for, for a play on it because as I've said before science fiction is the only great commentary and a mental tool for us to understand our present, not the future. I mean, the near future, certainly, but not necessarily the far future. Uh, science fiction is a powerful tool. Watch the next generation, Star Trek, the next generation's uh, episode from season two, the measure of a man where there's the, you know, there's the, the court case of whether or not data, you know, deserves rights. And I'm not going to make the argument for rights here, but you get my point for the shorthand for the verbal shorthand on that. All of these advancements, you know, every everything that, you know, where, where society, oh, things are getting so much better, blah, 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 blah. You know, all of that is built on the backs of, uh, you know, varying forms of automation, software, hardware, whatever. Some of it connected to the Internet, some of it not. And brilliant people programming it. And, you know, these abilities are, you know, empowering individuals to do, you know, for, for, for one person to have 
you know, an, an entire like like, you know, for, for use of another unfortunate term, an entire media empire. One person can do that on their own, you know, just by using these various services and whatever else that 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 are very much available to them. And you can see, I mean, just just, you know, what amazing things come out of individual goals and individual creativity. It doesn't require a team effort, it doesn't require all that. I mean, and you can even, you know, how many people learn from 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 being challenged on their ideas? There's a benefit to not thinking all the same. There's a benefit to not, you know, paying homage to varying traits. The only thing you need to worry about is being goal oriented. Okay. What are your goals in life? What's going to make you happy? All right. You worry about that and you concentrate on that without shame. And that's, and everybody benefits from that. You don't have to think about everybody. You're not a communist. You're thinking about you. Though even communists would, well, all right, I'm not going to go down that. (laughs) I'm not going to go down that, that bit of business. So yeah, tribalism can be overcome and it absolutely should be overcome uh, because the idea of, 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 you know, sharing goals based upon traits is, I mean, it's just nuts, you know, it's just nuts. And, you know, if, if your goal is to get somebody with a certain, or, you know, is maybe to fall in love or get into a relationship with people, um, of certain traits, well, that's a whole hell of a lot different. That's not even the same thing. We're talking about being unquestioning and acting in concert based upon traits that you share. That's tribalism, right? So yeah, you, you definitely, you want, you want to get back that or, you know, get past that. Now, collectivism is a very attractive thing to, to humans, I think, because, uh, there is a sense of belonging. There is a sense of understanding. There is a, a social shorthand that brings you a degree of comfort when, you know, when you have community and all these different things. But here's the thing is that you got to get past the shorthand. You know, I, I love the old Eratosthenes saying there's no royal road to geometry. Really amazing things in your life come from hard work, from taking the time. OK, there, there's, there should not be shortcuts. Too many people are looking for shortcuts on shit and there aren't any. It takes work to have a beautiful relationship. It takes work. My relationship, the greatest relationship I've ever been in is with the lovely and hyper intelligent Dr. Stephanie Murphy, the most amazing woman I've ever met in my life, a woman that I love. Okay. We were friends for like a year. I didn't just instantly say, Oh, let's date. Let's, let's get to stupid and all this different stuff. No, we were friends first for a while because you build a genuine foundation. You take the time. It wasn't because, Oh, well shit, she's white. Okay. So then we should just get together because we're fucking white or something like that. No, these things take time. But today, it, I, I mean, and, and it's pro- a lot of tribalism is coming back. Collectivism is becoming such a powerful thing today, I, in my opinion. OK, um, because, you know, th- there's there's so much stuff out there. There's so many distractions. There's such an information overload on things. And I'm not saying I don't want that information out there. I do. But people just don't know how to handle it. They're not ready for this technology that they are going back to some some degree of I don't want to say baser instincts but baser social patterns that developed over time. That doesn't mean because they developed over time that they're right. One could argue that slavery was a social pattern that developed over thousands of years. Are you still going to fucking argue for that being a good thing? Fuck you. 
just because something has, I mean, that's a fallacy, right? Is it a fallacy of antiquity? Just because something has age, just because something has been the norm for a while, that somehow that's okay? Fuck that. It's a fallacy. Here's your logic, folks. And always keep in mind that logic is just the beginning of wisdom, not the end. So I get it why collectivism is a thing, why it's popular right now, why it's so hot right now, because I think so many people are looking for these kind of, you know, spiritual bypasses or emotional shortcuts or something like this. I mean, it's the same thing with like with religion. People went to church because oh, it's where they could feel a sense of belonging and maybe find a girlfriend, you know, or, you know, a wife eventually something like this. Right. Um, you know, but we can we really can get past that. Okay, that was just that was a certain time frame because there was a time where we didn't gather like that, where we didn't come together like that. All right. That's a certain time frame. And it's something that we are, you know, socially or whatever, evolve that we can evolve past into kind of like what Sterner called the egoist epoch. Okay, where the individual recognizes itself as being the single most important thing. That's you. That used to be what anarchists and libertarians would argue for. I don't know what the fuck happened, but that used to be the, the shtick. Anyway, let's move on to another question. <laughs> We're already running low on, uh, on, on time. Um, let's see. Is it possible? Oh, no. Let me go to this one. Thoughts on statues, monuments, and remembering the past. Uh, obviously, this is in reference to the Robert E. Lee statue that was being taken down or that was proposed to be taken down uh you know, in Charlottesville and where a lot of this, you know, recent violence and actions um, is taking place. So my thoughts on statues and monuments and remembering the past and all this stuff, uh, you know, as somebody who, who fancies himself a historian, um, I very much appreciate uh, a lot, a lot of statues, a lot of monuments and, you know, and, and all of these uh, different things. Okay. I appreciate history. It's important to remember history. Um, that said, okay, (laughs) I mean, well, okay, for example, so I'm ethnically Jewish, um, copies of Mein Kampf have been in publication by Jewish run companies, uh, or, or at the behest of various Jewish groups since World War II in English. Now, why can you go to Barnes and Noble or why can you go on Amazon? Amazon would be a different case, but let's, let's just say for Barnes and Noble, why can you go to Barnes and Noble and buy a copy of Mein Kampf? Well, when you read the book, there's an introduction, not by Adolf Hitler, but by somebody else. And that introduction will always say something along the lines of the, uh, you know, we will keep this in print so that you can always keep an eye out. So you can read this and you can keep an eye out for when someone like Hitler is going to return. It's to remind you. It's so kind of like, you know, the the old Jewish phrase, never forget. Okay. I mean, that was ingrained in me as a kid, certainly. Uh, You know, never forget what this looks like when it starts coming. You know, never forget, blah, 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 blah. It's a warning. This stuff exists as a warning. Now, should the, is the statue of Robert E. Lee a warning? No. Uh, And in fact, the people that were... I mean, you could see it as such, but that's not why it was put there. That was not its intent. And we know its intent. 
the people that are defending it, that is not their intent. They want, they have some kind of strange notion of, oh, I'm, I'm proud of this. I mean, it doesn't even make any fucking sense. You're proud of a loser. There's that meme going around that's hilarious. It's like, wait a minute, you're not supposed to get participation awards, but you, you know, you don't want to take down uh, the statue of a person that lost the war. That doesn't make any goddamn sense. Um, I mean, I'm all for the Robert E. Lee statue standing as long as we put like, you know, I mean, I mean, like paint it, uh, draw a dick on its face. I mean, I, I can think of all kinds of, of, of things, you know, really, really to to do to it, because uh, I mean, I have no respect really uh, for, you know, for for someone or I have less respect, whatever, uh, for somebody that 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 finds going to war to be something that that's that's worthwhile. That that doesn't make any that doesn't make any sense to me. And, you know, talk about collectivism and tribalism and all that stuff that, again, libertarians and anarchists used to be against. So, you know, I mean, you can have these things, but look, if people want to take them down, I mean, you know, you can get into the minutiae and say, well, was it, you know, was it privately funded? Was it funded by the, by the city? You know, like, how is it there? If it's funded by the city, if it was funded by government, is it valid in the first place? Cause it wasn't private and it used stolen money for taxes. I, I, I mean, you know, you can get so lost, talk about lost in the weeds. You can get lost in the weeds so much, um, with a lot of this stuff. Uh, you know, there are. I mean, I don't think that a statue of Robert E. Lee, you know, is some kind of like world heritage site. It's not something that contributes to, uh, you know, maybe humanity as a whole. Not that something has to contribute to humanity as a whole, you know, to, to, to kind of be there. I mean, the real solution here with this, right, is that, look, if it matters so goddamn much to you, um, you know, why don't just put a Robert E. Lee statue in your front yard? Oh, people aren't going to like that. Well, that's for you. That's a problem for you to solve. You know, I mean, this is like, you know, it's it's so funny. These people arguing about the statue being put up, I mean, are, are they, they are arguing for the worst kind of collectivism that you could imagine. Um, I think that there are, I mean, an, an easy case can be made for, you know, like say, say it's like the Great Pyramids. No, I, I don't, I don't want the Great Pyramids to go anywhere because I want to enjoy them. The thing is, is enough people think that they want to enjoy them. So guess what? The Great Pyramids don't get destroyed. With Robert E. Lee, now you have enough people that want it destroyed, want it to go down. They're tired of it. And so, yeah, you know, I'm not making any kind of case that somehow there are there are things that are just too holy uh, that they have to always stand. I mean, if if I you know, if we end up peacefully getting to, let's say, the Americas somehow became like an anarchist paradise by no fucking means do I want the White House to stand. Build a fucking children's hospital or something on that. I don't ever want to see that building again. There, there's there's no there, there's really there's no ethical case to be made. There's no philosophical case to be made for why you should keep a certain monument or even something with with untold years, thousands of years, perhaps of history or something like that and why you should leave it there. You know that that everybody has to respect that's a spook. But if enough people want to protect it, well, then they can take the individual actions, you know, to to, to leave it up Um 
But, I, you know, <laughs> I mean, this gets into a huge question about property. And, you know, my my stances on private property are not as rigid as others. So, you know, I mean, if people want to stand around, you know, I mean, th- this this kind of stuff has happened all the time where, uh, you know, with eminent domain, um, you know, the government's going to come and tear down your house and sell it to Walmart, you know, sell the land to Walmart or something. And people stand in front of the bulldozers or whatever. Well, then that's what you're going to have to do. But you're going to have to be eternally vigilant and do that. And you tell me that that statue's worth that fucking much to you. Oh, you think that's cold? You think that's uh, that's a hard line to take? Funny, it's relatively peaceful. It's not a hard line to take, like, you know, going to blows and violence over something. Crazy. And I, and I can't even, I, I, I mean, holy shit. You know, it's just like, like, look, are you, you know, you same people, the same people that are arguing for, oh, you want to leave up the Robert E. Lee statue. Are you going to tell the Iraqis that they can't tear down statues of Saddam Hussein? Give me that argument. Tell me that no, motherfucker, that statue of Saddam Hussein should have stayed up. Email me and tell me that. Bullshit. What, the Nazi flag should have stayed in Berlin? Or is it up to those, is it up to the people living around, okay, that they could tear them down? I dare say it's up to them, not up to you. You wouldn't tell anybody what you, what they could do in your backyard, but people from all over the world, all over the country and whatever, end up going to Charlottesville because of a goddamn statue. Bullshit. They had nothing to do with that statue. You just have traumas you want to express. Traumas. Not pride. People wanted to get together and they wanted to, to, to spew their fucking hate and traumas saying, we want a white nation. We want to remember our history as white people. We're getting wiped out, blah, blah, blah. Oh, I mean, which is utter nonsense. Just go to almost any grocery store. Okay. <laughs> You're not going anywhere. Oh, we want a white nation. Oh. You know, I can't believe I, people have been arguing with me about this. They're like, well, what's wrong with wanting a white nation? It's a fucking nation. Well, but a nation's just like a tribe. It doesn't have to be a government. It doesn't have to be blah, 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 blah. What? You tell me. You tell me. How the fuck exactly are you going to make sure that it's always white? How? You're probably going to need an enforcement body. And then you tell me when that doesn't become a goddamn government. You tell me when within a geographic area, that doesn't become the monopoly on force. You're full of it. You put, I I get that definition of nation. Well, it just means coming together for something. No, 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 no. Because once you put any, once you put a prefix effectively, maybe without the dash, once you put a prefix in front of the word nation, you, I mean, especially something that, that is a trait of some kind, you instantaneously, you have to create some kind of enforcement body and you just wiped out the notion of liberty or freedom with whatever the fuck that is that you're making. And these people, the arguments, I mean, there's, oh, freedom of disassociation, freedom of association. Look, if you're using, you know, logic, reason, all these different things, okay, to, to try and make a case for doing something that is completely anti-freedom, in my opinion, which a white nation is, if you're doing that, guess what? I mean, you know, you're using that shit for, to, to, to make, um, you know, to create some kind of horrible thing. 
at the end of the day, I don't care how much you use that. You're just a horrible human being. Oh, but it's ethically okay. That doesn't change the fact that you're an asshole. People don't care about. (sighs) Anyway. So that's my thoughts on monuments and all that stuff. They can be taken down. And that's okay. If you are so concerned about the history of something or something, well, then you get together, you buy it out. I mean, do, do, do what, what, or write about it, take pictures. I don't know. Who the fuck are you to think you have so much control over things? You can argue about it. You can complain about it. No one's saying you can't do that. But if it's out of your power, it's out of your power. And how dare you try and force shit on other people like that? I'm not siding with the other side either. I'm just saying, holy shit. This is the dumbest thing. One of the dumbest things I've ever seen in my life. The violence is absolutely tragic all the way around, but this is one of the dumbest arguments. This is one of the dumbest fucking cases. I've, I, I, I'm, I'm in, I stare at it in awe that this is still a thing and that it's a thing being uh, 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 supported by people who at least used to talk about Liberty that used to talk about freedom, used to talk about anarchy. Not anymore. Uh, what, what other questions do we have here? Is it possible that at some point, quote, being prepared to defend yourself, end quote, becomes an act of aggression? Um, becomes an act of aggression. So this is, so, so here's, here's the first thing with this question, okay? And this is going to get into when do you punch a Nazi or something like this, I guess. Um, I mean, I don't, I, don't, I, I don't agree with the nap. Okay, it's like it's just a simple baseline rule, but it's not. But for most people, it's not a baseline rule because you'll fucking hear them say you broke the nap and they'll accuse you like daddy should come after you or something, which is so goddamn childish. So infantile, I should say, I don't want to I I would hate to insult children. And I mean that I care very much about them. Which that's another thing real quick with the whole white nation thing. You know, you could say it's voluntary. That, you, that you're all gathering together for that system. What about your children? Is it voluntary for them to be a part of that system? No. No, it's not. And they're just little humans. They have just as right, just as much right to disassociate and whatever else as anything. So the best thing you can do for a kid is let them explore. Well, they can't explore very well when they exist with some, within some kind of rigid, dumbass culture. Anyway, where was I? So, yeah, when is it breaking the nap? Blah, blah, blah. Um... I don't necessarily kind of buy into the nap. I will say this. Uh, there is, I mean, I know, I know, I know what people are going to say. They're going to say, well, yeah, but we're dealing with today. People got to defend themselves, blah, blah, blah. If I didn't make it clear enough on the last Sovereign Tech Prime episode that I am totally fine with self-defense, I don't know how I could make it any more clear. Okay. I, I, I really, really don't. Um, I think you are a fool if you don't take into consideration. And I think I know what this question. I mean, this is kind of in reference to Charlottesville as well and various things. Um, I'm not saying this is the top of the list of the things to talk about when it comes to it, but it's a question that got asked by a patron. So I'm going to fucking answer it. Okay, deal with it. Um, 
I think you're a fool if you show up somewhere with, you know, either using language, symbology, a whole slew of things that, uh, you're, you know, if you show up with shields, baseball bats, I don't know, whatever the fuck you happen to show up with. Okay. I think it behooves you to be, or, or you show up with torches, whatever, it behooves you to pay attention to what that imagery may do. I've t- this is not new for me to talk about. I have said at Porkfest, I talked about this in very in episodes from Pork just after Porkfest. Okay, so not even a month ago, I've talked about this in a Q and A, and I said I think it's I think it's crazy because if a reporter, you know, so many people are carrying guns and all this different stuff at Porkfest. I think if if an independent reporter was outside looking in, they or whatever, they came in and they were told that this is a peace festival that this festival represented peace and understanding and all this different stuff. And they saw people walking around with rifles on their back. It's an AK 47s and all this stuff. Um, would I think that that reporter was crazy for thinking that what the fuck does this have to do with peace? No, I think it's an image problem. Do you aggress against somebody, uh, because they're carrying a gun? No, not saying that. I'm just saying, let's be very clear. I mean, you know, I, I bring this up all the time. I didn't bring it up uh, when I talked about, you know, my stance on guns um, in the last Sovereign Tech Prime episode. But, you know, there's the old Robert A. Heinlein quote that everybody loves to, to you know, to, to banty out, which is uh, an armed society is a polite society. And I, and I always retort instantly saying, no, no, no. An armed society is a society of fear. And this is something that people don't really get. They, 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 they don't get with a lot of this stuff is that, I, I mean, there are, you know, humans do have some primal instincts. I'm not saying tribalism uh, is one of those. OK, uh, I'm not saying that that's not something that didn't develop, but I'm not saying that it's some kind of like primal ingrained from evolution sort of instinct, something along those lines. OK, I'm not necessarily making that case. Um You know, when when you it, it's like it's like with. Uh, oh, boy. What's an example? Okay, how about something that doesn't have um, that doesn't act outside of an instinct? You know, when you're dealing with dogs, if you ever if you've ever done uh, uh, you know like dog training, especially for law enforcement or militaries or something like that, all of which you know I or well at least the military aspects certainly I've been a part of um, and other things. One of the things they teach you is that you cannot give signals of fear to the dog because it will attack. You know, in that sort of sense, I don't think people realize. Okay. <laughs> I I mean humans humans on the aggregate get, get this so fucking wrong. All right, is that walking around with a bunch of weapons and all of this other stuff, um a lot of times that's that's actually symbols of fear. They uh, of fear. They are a gun is usually a shortcut to a false sense of power. This is not a new notion and this is a notion that has been uh discussed and described even in the past, you know, over the past 100 years by various uh, self-defense schools that these are very false senses of security because the real senses of security, the real sense of power that an individual can have um, is something that is perceptible, but it's not something that is so readily talk, you know, is something that you can so easily put into words or quantify. There is a certain uh, look in the eye. There are a lot of other things that without a gun will keep people without a gun on your hip. People will stop messing with you. 
I mean, there's lots of these, un- in, you know, I mean, they're, they, again, they are quantifiable. Um, like talking about in business, how taller people are more successful and all that stuff. It's because there's all these little signals, all these little hints that give off varying senses, perhaps, of what, for lack of a better term, could be considered power. Okay. And, but that goes both ways. There are a lot of little things that you can do that put off fear and other human beings, perhaps with a lack of self-awareness, and that's obviously across the board in what happened with Charlottesville, okay, um, you know, they, they react to the, some of that instinctually. So I think it's a mistake when you walk into, when, when, when you engage in these kinds of actions with uh, false senses of power, which I think a lot of times when people, you know, it, either have tools or, or, uh, uh, something, some kind of tool. Well, yeah, I said tool already, whatever that happens to be bat shield gun, whatever. I mean, a lot of these things just give off. I mean, there's, there's just, there's a lot of unconscious stuff being given off. There's, or maybe it's very conscious and it's some kind of marketing, which I don't, I think there's a good argument to make for that. Um, there's a lot of instincts that can get, you know, switches that could get flipped, blah, 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 you know, in the human mind, whatever, uh, when they see them. I mean, there's, there's all these different things that, that are just a fucking mistake. You know, I could spend a whole nother episode talking about what self-defense people say about having, um, there's varying terms for this, but it's a certain kind of confidence and you can see it, you know, when you've got it, because you could walk around. In fact, I was just in New York city you can walk around in New York City and, you know, you could see somebody that that, you know, kind of has has this look of, ooh you know, maybe drug dealer, bad dude, something like that. And they'll nod at you, even if you're the most, you know, you could be the most tame individual in the world or not not tame. Uh, but you, you could be the most uh, blah, boring, whatever. You know, you don't do anything uh, nearly outside of, you know, kind of societal norms or something like that. But they'll give you like this little nod. They'll just kind of look and nod because you've got that. <sighs> You know, kind of like a Rocky, right? They talk about the eye of the tiger, like that sort of thing. I mean, it's, it's a lot of these imperceptibilities. But most people don't take the time to develop the self-awareness. And if they did, they sure as fuck wouldn't be gathering together in Charlottesville because they'd be too busy working on themselves and developing their own inner power instead of trying to create some kind of external nonsense like a white nation or who knows what the fuck you're trying to do. OK, they work on that. And even short people can do this. Smaller people can do this. Of course they can. Because you can kick any, you can kick any dude in the nuts. Doesn't matter what height you are. That's, that's real personal power. When you have an understanding of how things work and there was no understanding of how things work here. Um, so I guess maybe to get back to that whole, when do you punch a Nazi? Hopefully you're doing the inner work to where you know when because there there's there's just to to say there's like this this hard line i mean i could come with some really extreme hard lines but i'm not going to say that those extreme hard lines are you know necessarily the only time that you may need to throw a punch nazi or otherwise take the nazi out of the equation okay i mean you don't there, there's a lot of threatening that comes with being a Nazi. Okay. There's a lot of those, not, not again, they're quantifiable, but I'm going to call them imperceptibles. A lot of those unconscious things, um, that, you know, you're going to, you're going to have to test yourself. You know, you're, you're going to have to, I mean, it, it, a lot of it is, is very circumstantial in all this. I'm not, I'm not going to prescribe like this one moment. Well, if the Nazi does this, you do this. I mean, because honestly, like there's Nazis who, you know, 
are just fucking harmless. They're pencil neck geeks. And I don't mean to offend geeks because I am the king of the nerds. Okay. But you know what I mean by that. And you know who they are too. That are complete fucking talk. They are total talk, you know, and their talk is stupid. Their talk is cheap there. I mean, and, and it's just, it's, it's pure nonsense. I mean, just fucking ignore them. You could almost pity them. It's so bad because they're so infantile in their thinking. They're so backwards. So I'm not going to say there isn't a time to defend yourself, but I am going to say that like you, you, you work on you and have that self-awareness and circumstance, you know, situational awareness to where, you know, Anybody that says something differently and lays out some kind of hard line, I think is, is trying to start some kind of war. So whatever that culture war, whatever. Now, if you think I'm wrong about any of this, shoot me an email. Okay. No, don't shoot me. Send me an email. Okay. <laughs> Send me an email and let me know. All right. I, I mean, it's crazy out there. You know, I, I really, I, I think it is. Uh, and I, I could go on this subject forever, uh, but I'm already running long and I, I have, <laughs> I have a lot of other work to do. So anyway, let's get back to the fun content. Um, I might lose patrons over this. If I do, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what I said was, uh, was outlandish. If you're a white nationalist, well, then I, I don't really, I don't feel bad at all. Uh, and I, and I described exactly why. Uh, so rock and roll anyway, <laughs> uh, new, uh, sex and science hour, of course, will be out this week and, uh, got a dynamite sovereign tech. I already have it all lined up and, oh man, there's, there's going to be some great topics. In fact, we're going to get to some, uh, some responses to things that I said in the last episode of sovereign tech. It's been a while since we've done that sort of thing. Uh, but I will, I will be getting into that. We're going to have a great conversation. Uh, well, I mean, it's going to end up talking about more about violence a bit, um, in reference to animals perhaps. Uh, so that should be interesting and I don't know, maybe you'll find it re- relevant. Uh, and I mean, but tons of other huge subjects, crazy subjects, and we're going to talk about some sex and everything on it. Yeah. You know, it's, I'll tell you what's really funny. Somebody sent like a comment, um, that said I was like that, that pretty much claimed I, I was a pretty sick individual for what I put on air, um, referencing a lot of the sex talk and the moaning and, and, you know, the orgies and all this different stuff. Um, I know who this person was and I know for a fact that they are rampantly at, you know, advocating for violence against, um, not just minorities, but all kinds of people. And I just, I find that so, I mean, it's just so telling it's, it's, it's so speaks to the, the complete lack of self-awareness that our culture has even libertarians and ANCAPs and anarchists and leftists and whatever else that they have where, um, where they think that talking about sex and orgies is sick, but wanting to kill other human beings is completely normal and wanting to go to war is just completely normal and, and have violent revolutions and everything is just completely normal. Uh, that tells a story in my opinion. So anyway, Ooh, I will see you on the other side. You know, I was going to get into our, oh, oh fuck. Okay. I'll do it. I was going to get into a fun question and I, 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 I said I would do that. Let's make it happen really fast. Uh, because it won't take long. 
I have a completely, here it is, this is from a Patreon. I have a completely random question for you. If you could be any kind of animal, what kind would you pick? This person says, I'd pick some kind of bird, probably a crow. Uh, yeah, you know, actually, corvids are on my list of, well, y- you'll hear me talk more about this uh, <laughs> on this week's uh, Sovereignty Prime episode. It might even been perfect to bring up then. Maybe I will uh, there as well. Um, if I could be any kind of animal, well, I'll tell you, my favorite animal is the swan. Um, I don't know if I would be a swan, but, um, you know, I'm not opposed uh, to that whatsoever. Uh, yeah. I if I could be a bonobo, I'd be pretty happy. <laughs> I know I'd be happy. <laughs> so, so there's my answer. I'd be a bonobo. And I don't think you have to have to go far down the Wikipedia page to find out why I'd want to be a bonobo. Let's just say, whoo, they'd be living it up. <laughs> just like the golden stallion loves to. <laughs> so anyway, there's your little fun one for you. We don't have to end on such a serious note. Uh, but yeah, Dynamite Sovereign Tech coming up. I will see you. Whoo on the other side.